Voyage. I'm Tony Copeland Parker, and when I was 45, I met the love of my life, but I had to fight to keep her when her mind threatened to take her away from me. I'm Bonnie Solomon. I produced this episode for Voyage Media. I was really moved by Tony's story because of his enduring commitment and optimism, despite the enormous challenges life has dealt him and Catherine. I asked Tony about his life prior to meeting Catherine. I was never diagnosed as having dyslexia, but as a child, I was tutored all throughout grade school. I collected bottles and cans and set up a shoe shine in my home to shine everyone's shoes and would then bill them for my efforts. At the age of 14, I delivered newspapers after school. I grew up in a very well-educated household. Everyone had at least a master's degree. I was not successful at college and learned that being a pilot was better suited for how my brain is wired. In flight school, I worked at night cleaning parking lots and went to class the next morning. When I was in flight school, I would again collect bottles and cans at the parking lots that I cleaned at night. I would listen to tapes I made of the day's classes over and over so that information would sink in and continue with that type of learning throughout my career. You go to school in the morning and apply what you've learned that afternoon in an actual airplane or simulator. Catherine and I met at a small race in Louisville, Kentucky. I overheard her talking about her desire to run a marathon in all 50 states. I could tell that she had true grit and determination so I asked her to train me to run my first marathon. Excuse me? Yes? I couldn't help but over here. Did you say you're planning to run a marathon in all 50 states? That's right. And I thought my goals were big. How'd that come about? Mm, sort of by accident. You ran a marathon by accident. <laughs> well, the truth is, I needed something to focus on after my husband died. I was young. We'd only been married a year. And when marathoning came into my life, it was, it was like a guiding light. How did it find you? My brother was a runner and he took me under his wing. We began with 5Ks and worked our way up to the first full marathon, Chicago 97. And here I thought I was disciplined. Are you doing the New York City? Of course. You? I'd like to. I grew up in New York watching the New York City Marathon on TV. I've always dreamed of running it, but I don't know if I'm ready. Do you take on trainees? Uh, well, um, no one's ever asked. What's your fastest time? I don't know. I haven't run anything longer than a 5K. Oh, Lord. Even more reason for you to train me. I promise I'll work hard and do everything you say. Look, you seem like you mean it, but marathoning isn't for everyone. It takes grit, endurance. When I was seven, I decided it wasn't fair to take money from my parents to pay for Christmas presents. 
so I collected bottles and raked lawns. Do you know how many lawns it takes to buy your mom those fancy hedge clippers? 82. That's a lot of raking. Tell me, why do you do it? Why do you run? I was going through a divorce and needed a healthy distraction. Plus, my kids were all playing soccer, and I thought they might respect a dad who was out running more than one who just stood on the sidelines and yelled, run, <laughs> you know? I do. What's your name? Tony. Catherine. I'll tell you what, Tony. You can train with me for New York City if you can keep up. So we trained for that race, me thinking, like most, to be one and done. Catherine convinced me to do another marathon a few months later, and the rest is history. I have done 68 marathons, an Ironman, and a 50-miler when I turned 50. Catherine has done 83 marathons, an Ironman, a 50-miler, and a marathon in all 50 states. We have crossed the finish line in a marathon 55 times, hand in hand. We did not set out to be nomads for now going on eight years. I had open heart surgery to replace a leaky aortic valve about the same time Catherine was diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's back in 2014. So we both retired, sold our home, and figured we would find somewhere else to live. My research showed that endurance exercise is good for the brain. Seeing new and exciting things coupled with socialization are also beneficial. So we scheduled some races and basically went from race to race, stopping in places we always wanted to go as tourists along the way. After we would stay somewhere three to four days, we would be like Goldilocks and move on to find that perfect place. We are now on stop number 681 in St. Kitts right now. Early on, I wasn't sure how long she would be able to live with the disease. The range is 2 to 20 years, so we figured we would see as much as we could along the way. We love to travel, have a passion for running, and love each other, so I figured this would be best for us. The most challenging race was the Tokyo Marathon. I got a very bad leg cramp on the long flight there and was still able to run the race, even though I was in pain the entire race. The most exhilarating race was in Athens, Greece. It was the 25th running of the Athens Marathon back in 2010. Philippides ran from Marathon to Athens back in 490 BC. Every country was represented and we finished up in the famous Colosseum. The most emotional was Catherine's 50th state. I thought I was done running marathons, but somehow I was able to train and finish with her. I also asked Tony about his top three non-running travel experiences while running around the world. One, we have been on 27 marathon tours and travel trips, so we have been to a lot of faraway places like Bhutan and Madagascar. Two, the scariest was getting stuck in St. Kitts for a month during the beginning of the COVID outbreak. They closed their borders and I quickly realized that if something happened to me, no one would be able to come and take care of Catherine. Three, 
South Africa with all its rich history. The life expectancy is two to 20 years. So you really don't know the impact of our lifestyle has had on her. It has, however, made the whole experience more enjoyable. We believe in the additive model. What more can we do? I read up on the disease and have tried just about every supplement and possible cure. She has two of the APOE4 genes, which means she has a 50% higher risk. So there's not much we can do about that. I know we're heading to Santiago, but we're not, that's not where the marathon is. That's right. Where is the marathon? I, I don't, I don't, I don't remember. Did you write it in your calendar? I don't know, I, I can't find it. It's in the side pocket of your carry-on. Here, let's take a look. I don't see anything, I, I know you told me. Why didn't I write it down? Uh, it's okay, Catherine. Let's figure it out together. Now take a look at this map. You see Santiago? Yes. Look nearby. What have we talked about always wanting to see? I don't know, Tony. There are a lot of countries in South America. Well, let's just say this one is carved in stone. Oh, 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 I, I know. The Moai statues, East, Easter Island. That's my girl. <sighs> I wanted to know why Tony runs marathons. Being a six foot six black man, I stand out in a crowd and people often ask if I play basketball. That is very stereotypical, so I embrace that by being as unique as possible. Pilot, manager, marathoner, nomad, author, blogger, podcast guest, I hope to inspire others to embrace the disease instead of fearing it. A goal of mine is to one day to have our unique approach to disease depicted in a film. It has taken us places I could have only imagined. I love managing people, things, and money. Caregivers should involve themselves in things that they love, so planning and executing the plan brings me joy. I wrote the book and have an audiobook so we can relive these memories. Some people would be overwhelmed with all the travel. I asked Tony how he approaches it and what he likes about it. The travel industry is very accommodating. I've seen any and everyone traveling. They are trained to handle people with all abilities and disabilities. It is counterintuitive when it comes to routine. We are everything but. That would drive me crazy. And I have to also think about myself. I move her cheese so she has to use her brain to navigate the maze of travel. In the past, it did not matter that she did not know where the bathroom was since I moved it every four days. Now it does not matter since I have to help her go. New and exciting things go into long-term memory, which is not affected at first. So when frustrated, she can look back with joy. For example, dinner up in Eiffel Tower. I was curious to know how COVID impacted Tony and Catherine's vagabond lifestyle and Catherine's condition. When we got stuck in St. Kitts, we had to leave in case something happened to me. No one to care for her. So I gave up alcohol to improve my immunity, chartered a plane after being there a month. 
She was having delusions back then really bad, and with no socialization, it got really bad. We made our way back to her family. We had to quarantine, so after a month, I figured hotels would be just as safe, and being a pilot, I was not worried about flying. Also, everything was dirt cheap. We finished her states and have not missed a beat, and with our running so far, have stayed clear of COVID. Look, I'm sorry, but that's not good enough. My wife has a medical condition. She can't go without hydrochloride. I have a UPS box in Atlanta. Can you send it there? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yes, please get back to me at this number. Uh, what's your name? Thank you, Wanda. Damn it. It's the same everywhere. The pharmacies, the airlines, the local governments, everything shut down and no one knows what to do. It's a mess. I'm afraid we're going to get stuck here. Would that be so bad? We like St. Kitts. It's on our settle down list. Not during a pandemic. No one can come visit. The curfews and lockdowns make it difficult to move around. It's nearly impossible to find food and supplies. The hustle and bustle we love has disappeared with the cruise ships and restaurants. And the people who are still here are masked and afraid to get close. I guess when you put it that way. Plus, it's not safe. What if something happens to me? You'd be all alone here. Or what if one of us gets COVID? The hospitals aren't allowing visitors, and even if they did, no one can fly in to help. So what do we do? I'm working on it. I think I can get us a flight out on Chalice Airways if we pay double. They have to fly in an empty plane because the borders are closed. Then we'll need written permission from the police commissioner for a cab to pick us up. It's a logistics nightmare, but I'll figure it out. I always do. I know. If I already wasn't losing my mind, being stuck in this room would surely do it. We'll get you home to Indiana. I promise. There are seven stages when it comes to Alzheimer's, and she bounces back and forth between five and six. She's a sine wave in decline, so being a problem solver, I look for ways to compensate. Some days are better than others. The Catmobile is an example. It's an adult stroller that we use when she gets tired. She hops in and I can run while pushing her and still able to get my exercise in. We might settle down, but where and how is still unclear. Still working on that. However, I did promise her I would never leave her. What is that? I call it the Catmobile. So we can still go out for our runs, but when you get tired, you can ride and I'll push you. Tony. Now hold on. Before you say no, think it over. I don't think either one of us wants to repeat what happened in April. Remember I had to beg and plead to get you out of that hospital? I'm so glad the anti-seizure meds are working. But they exhaust you, and we have to make accommodations. I know, but... Trust me, it'll be great. We can break up our exercise routine to several times per day. We'll walk the beach, the streets, even the halls of our hotel when we need to. And when you need to rest, the Catmobile will be at your beck and call. Besides, look at these tricked out wheels. You'll be the hottest thing on the road. <laughs> 
How about we give it a test run? See if it's comfortable. Okay. So, what do you think? Tony, I love it. I asked Tony what his current goal is in relation to Catherine. To be by her side throughout the progression of the disease. I concentrate on quality of life as opposed to quantity. I asked Tony what a bad day looks like and how he deals with it. It would start off by her not getting her usual seven hours of sleep. Many studies talk about the importance of sleep, especially with those with Alzheimer's. I thought it would be helpful to know Tony's biggest takeaway for people reading his book and listening to this podcast. Find something that is a couple you are both passionate about doing together, since you don't know how long that might be. You don't have to run marathons, but need to stay active as long as possible. Use it or lose it, as they say. You need to keep the brain talking to the body as long as possible. We found early on that the clinical trial that we participated in gave us false hope. I thought I had found a cure. So when it failed, I kept going down rabbit holes. I've tried every supplement known to man. I suggest that you should just concentrate on the time you have being with your loved one. It taught me that life is too short. So for us, we retired early and went all over the world doing what we love and passionate about with the loves of our lives. Hope Lives Here is a production of Voyage Media. The series is produced by Nat Mandel, Robert Midas, and Dan Benamore. This episode, Running All Over the World, was written, produced, and directed by Bonnie Solomon. Based on Tony's novel, Running All Over the World, available on Amazon, a link is in the show notes. Starring Peter Lawson-Jones and Tammy Cates as Tony and Kat. Edited, sound designed, and mixed by Thomas Culleton. Original music by Durles Gonzalez. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you're listening. And subscribe now for future episodes.